Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Everyone always wants to know, what are you wearing today? But no one ever thought to ask, how are you wearing today? Welcome to the Triple J Show, hosted by Jeremy Kirkland, Gian Delian, and John Moy. This show is what a podcast would sound like if you could make one with your own hands. Like we used to in the good old days, when jacket cuffs were functional, jeans were shuttle loomed, and no one joked, Hey buddy, why are you so dressed up? Just because you decided to wear a sport coat to the grocery store. As three mildly respected industry veterans whose net worth is mostly housed in their closets, the Triple J crew will share stories from behind the bespoke curtain, make a little more sense of the rapidly changing fashion world, and who knows, someone may learn a thing or two. So button those middle buttons, tighten those side tabs, strap on those monks, and enjoy the ride. I had to pay tax on my purchases because my global entry expired. So the first thing I did was renew my global entry. Wait, what happened? We're on the pod. This is it. Go for it. Oh, uh, yeah. So I bought, I mean, I got some stuff abroad, obviously. And then like, usually with global entry, like I haven't filled out a customs form in years, like, right. mm-hmm. which is a weird flex, but okay. But I had to like fill one out in person and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I did buy stuff. And then I forgot that it's like, oh, well. Since you bought stuff, you have to pay tax on it. I mean, I know oh. the tax was like, you know, a portion of what I'm getting back from VAT. But I was just like, oh, my God, I really just set myself up for that one. Oh, wait. So <laughs> you 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 forgot and you just filled it out like, yeah, I got stuff. Well, yeah. Yeah. I got stuff abroad. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> wait, did it make you fill out the the value of? Yeah. Like, well, oh. he looked at my receipts and then he like, oh, Added added it all together, and then like I mean, the number was like like three hundred that I had to pay, which was like you know considering I spent. Oh, that's not bad at all. No, for considering the total of purchases was significantly more than that. <laughs> uh, it's fine. <laughs> that Yoji code like, alone was major. Yeah, that the Yoji code alone was crazy. But I got like a Prada suit, and I got some LV stuff. Oh, okay. I mean, thankfully, I didn't get any leather. <laughs> Otherwise, they would have hit me with. You know some exotic import fees, but you know, natural natural fiber boys over here like cotton, twill, wool. Well, here's here's a weird stuff. flex. If you ever need a hookup with the U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife for leather import export, Judy's my she's my girl, and she's still there. Wow, so. you have a you have <laughs> feds on call. That, that uh, is only that because is a flex, and that is yeah. weird. Only because when I was at the armory, I was, I somehow, and actually still am, my phone number is still on, <laughs> Mark Joe, if you're listening, um, 
it was still it's still like the number they call when there's issues with importation of any sort of whatever thing that's linked to the armory and uh yeah and i was also like every year that i was there i would always send her um you know like a nice christmas gift i would send her a basket and then i started sending her fortnum and mason stuff um which is like my default here's a cool gift and we we never had issues with importing stuff ever again there you go yeah grease grease the wheels (laughs) (laughs) wait can i go back to something gene said earlier uh prada makes something in natural fibers (laughs) already already the guns are blazing (laughs) wow Um, the last time i checked (laughs) well if if folks are listening uh john moy is not with us he's taking care of some stuff but uh, we got basically pinch hitter legend Eugene Rabkin coming in, chatting. We're talking Paris Fashion Week. We're talking Milan Fashion Week. We're talking PT. Basically, yeah, PT. All all the hot PT, takes PT. from all the men's fashion weeks that are all here. We're all here together. Anyway, thanks for thanks for joining, Eugene. Glad glad you're here. We're privileged that you're a guest. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into it. I mean, already shots fired at Prada. The one, the one thing I do want to make sure we discuss is was it J.W. Anderson, whom Eugene you called out that the dude sent. He sent a runway, bolt of fabric, a bolt. Yes, a bolt yeah, of fabric down the Those are the first two looks of the of the show. Okay. Yeah, he was like, "Why yeah. try anything? Here's just some bolts of fabric. We don't need to make stuff out of it." <laughs> to be fair, the bolts of fabric weren't available for purchase. With pansies at the showroom. <laughs> <With men> pansies. <laughs> because yeah. that that's a thing. I you know, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. But Eugene, I, w- I was looking through on your, your Instagram while I was there, and it was um yeah, you would call that out as just like, oh, it, it's like they ran out of looks to make or something. I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. It for me it was the most Zoolander moment I've seen of all of the Fashion Week stuff. I mean I've just oh, seen yeah. that and, and the Welly pets, the frog clogs. And oh, the frog yeah. bag. oh there's also a pillow bag that that is for sale like th- there is that frog bag and like the frog clogs that are going to be sold but there there's a model that was holding a pillow that pillow was actually a, a bag with like a zipper compartment on top <laughs> that's yeah, a smaller version that makes sense i feel like that could actually sell really well but... oh 100 i mean yeah. you know this is the guy that brought us the pigeon bag so yeah it's definitely right. he did part do... of the novelty of, of what he does and it's not even a bag either. Like the, the pigeon thing was like, a, it's like a Mr. Potato Head toy. It like opens I, up. A- I mean, it holds things. You know, it's it's <laughs> as much of a bag as like the novelty undercover, like vinyl, you know, portfolios in the shape of like dynamite and like mushrooms, et cetera. The, you just set up my first question to talk to you guys. Okay. I literally thought long and hard about all of this. I think all of us have a lot of designers in our head that we love. Like, no matter what, maybe Eugene, maybe disagree with some stuff, but I feel like there are a few designers that whatever they send down the runway, I am going to warp my brain to find a way to love it. Even if my initial reaction is I don't. Is there any designers that either of you feel that have that same trait for you? Uh, no, I mean, (laughs) like, is there anyone who's invincible to criticism you feel or that their stuff is so good? I love Dries, right? 
I think okay. this fall collection was definitely one of his strongest, but you know, Jordan missed a couple shots in his day still. And like, I mean, you know, Raf Simmons apologist Eugene Rabkin <laughs> is going to call out, <laughs> you know, the, the recent product collection. Uh, but even for like someone like Rick Owens, right? I think we can all agree that was one of the best shows of of you know Fashion Week. Like, yep, he hasn't put on a single like disappointing show. I don't. I I would say, and it's. I mean, not that I wear Rick. I mean, I have right. like some pieces, but I think if you've been in this long enough. You know, you can just tell when someone is just really in their bag or, you know, maybe someone isn't having the best season. Right. And and, and the metric for that isn't just, well, what stuff would I wear from the runway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I, Eugene, so I what think, about you? Yeah. No, no one is immune to criticism from me. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be doing my job. Uh, I mean, I obviously I always root for guys like Rick. For undercover Yoji, uh, etc. But yeah, it's like Gene said, you can't demand a designer to make a killer collection every season. That's just too much. So yeah, and uh, you know, I've I've uh, given lukewarm reviews to Rick. Also, and I think they're cool with that. That's one thing I love about Rick. They're just so. Like they get it. They like ego is yeah. That's not like an ironic thing first. that people might not know about, like Rick Owens and Owens Corp in general. Is that you know, despite the silhouettes and the nature of the designs and the inspiration, they're literally the nicest people in fashion. Like there is not one mean person who works for Rick. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah, it's I didn't a know cool, that. Yeah, it's a cool. Yeah, it's a cool house. But yeah, it's. I mean, Rick gets that he's not human and like, yeah, he has an ego. Everyone has an ego, but he knows when to leave it at the door as opposed to some of these designers who like, God forbid you say anything negative. It's like the world is shattered. Like someone said to me once a long, long time ago, like your ego cannot be both big and fragile. This is just not a good combination. And there's just so much of that in fashion. Mm. Yeah, like did have you ever had like uh a a personal response to one of your one of your critiques from a designer before? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean via PR person, not not like through them. Yeah. Right. They, I've been they, banned once. So no one's like show. added you on Twitter and been all pissed off or anything. I mean people have blocked me on Instagram, whatever. I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> like this is IG is my only social media. Um, but yeah, it's fine. You're not, you're not trying to juice those die workwear numbers. Yeah. <laughs> no. And anyway, anything Derek said, I've said a long time ago. So it's all. <laughs> <There, laughs> that it should be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tweet. Yeah. I'm sure Derek would hear them be like, oh yeah, sure. I got blank and blank from, you know, he, that's. He, no. he, uh, he tends to give credit where credit is. You know, he's big on citing sources, apparently. <laughs> love the guy oh yeah that's that's true okay so let's let's rewind to pity stands out so i mean i have i've talked about stuff at pity um you know the gene and i were talking earlier today the 4s the stuff from forest designs it has not hit vogue.com yet i don't know why 
I don't know. But I, I saw the lookbook today. I think 4S is still, in my opinion, and it, I'm obviously biased too towards Angelo. It's still one of my favorite brands. But the other stuff I saw at Pity, I love Sonino. I mean, P- Pity, I think, is is never really been anything that's very experimental for lack of, or, or like avant-garde, right? But there there was some good classic stuff at Pity that I saw. And then there was the runway show of yeah, Eugene. Yeah, I mean, wanna... Eugene had, you know, the Jan Jan Van Esch profile on BOF yeah. released the same day that he uh, did his show at PT. I mean, Martine Rose, you know, was the featured designer. Uh, you know, she showed a pretty strong collection that, you know, really extended her range previous from what she's done before. I mean, uh, in the showroom too, right? I think that's that's been the new wrinkle is that I'm I'm equally going to showrooms and seeing collections closer than ever uh, as opposed to like going to show and then going to like a press preview. Right. But, you know, when you see what Martine did in the showroom and how she inverted the lapels on like a suit jacket or have like has like alternate ways to wear trousers. You sort of see how she really like infused her sort of subversive codes into, you know, traditional tailoring and menswear, which is, you know, what she wanted to do with like PT. I mean, and, and Wales Bonner did something similar when she was featured last season, right. As like sort of question and interrogate like uniforms and codes. I think she was inspired by like, the bird on the Ghanaian flag that's like sort of like looking backwards. And so it's like one foot in the past, one foot in the present kind of thing. Eugene, what about you? What'd you think of Martine Rose? Mm, I didn't really care for it, to be honest. And I, I know exactly why it's, it's, and I feel like there is this crop of what I call fashion hipster designers. And it seems they're so like embedded in their, you know, know, Bushwick slash Hackney enclave. Okay. Um, And (laughs) it's almost like they're not looking at the world at large. Um, And it's okay. Uh, You know, it's obviously okay to champion your people and whatnot. But it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel subversive. It doesn't feel subcultural. It doesn't feel, uh, to me at least, obviously. Because uh, you're not going yeah. to the same parties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this whole like thing, like she exported like half of, you know, Dalston. <laughs> like they flew like half of Dalston to the show. And like all these people look the same. And it's all like they're all wearing like uh, elevated versions of stuff you find of thrift stores and and it was a little i found it a little bit customy and very self-conscious and very surface like i kept and listen this is just me looking from the outside maybe there is substance there no you're fine you're fine every time i like like i look at these fashion hipsters like it just seems all surface like i don't know what they like I don't know what they stand for. I don't know what their values are. Um, they look cool, you know, <laughs> but it's kind of it's not enough for me. I always try to dig deeper, you know, to find some stuff, substance in what um, in what people do, and I and I have a hard time finding it there. Plus, oh, like and I said it elsewhere, all this like fake fur, it has to go. 
just don't make it. You know, if you don't don't want to make fur, don't make it at all. Because what you're doing, like this polyester uh, microfibers that pollute the environment, just just don't do it. Oh, so you babe. think it's just as bad? Oh, I think it's terrible. Microplastics, for the baby. It's microplastics. Oh. It's, it's, it ends up in our water supply, you know, and in our air, and just like. I'm just like, just don't do it. You know, there, there's stuff we don't wear anymore, right? We don't wear corsets anymore. And they, if we don't want to wear That chinchilla fur, isn't so chill. <laughs> yeah, let's just not wear fur. <laughs> like, don't make it. This is just the amount of polyester. I was like, uh, no. Yeah, but I think oh, to wow. Eugene's point, though, it's more an indictment of, like, the Instagram algorithm sort of fashion consumer, too, where it's, like, it's very visually driven. And, you know, the, I guess the discourse and the direction of, you know, a lot of how people talk about fashion and, and what sort of moves them, right, is more about like vibes. It's like the, the sort of yes. post vibe curation era mm-hmm. where it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's giving whatever. Or it's like, man, that collection was vibes when it's really just more about trying to, you know, be down or communicate that you understand what's happening from a surface level because it looks cool. Cause you want to be cool kind of thing. Yeah. What, what would each of you say is the role of a fashion designer? Like what, what do you believe their ultimate job is? For I me, mean, well, go ahead, go ahead, Eugene. Go ahead, Eugene. <laughs> I mean, it's between, well, their job is to design. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. <laughs> what, make make what, clothes what, that will sell. Sure. Yeah. Yes, basically, what, what that is is basically, you know, one part is storytelling. It's it's so one part for me is craftsmanship. It's making mm-hmm. really well done, quality, well constructed clothes that fit great, look great, last a long time. Um, but on top of that, but you know, we can say like that's Brunello Cuccinelli, right? Uh, but on sure. top of it, it's it's storytelling. You know, uh, how do you tell stories through clothes, and what kind of stories do you tell? And that's to me is like a difference between luxury apparel and fashion design, and the two, mm. yeah. and, and everything like they're both completely valid on their own terms. My my, where I have an issue is that where those terms start getting. Um, become fungible and get modeled, and then we no longer have a narrative, and we don't know what to call things. Yeah, I mean, and and to echo that too, right? I think you know the term fashion designer has become so elastic and and modeled. Like to me, there's sort of three kinds of schools that someone could typify a typical quote unquote fashion designer, and one is like a true fashion designer who knows how to make clothes, dedication to craft, has a clear idea of like what what they want to do and when they want to veer from it in a way that it shows they understand the rules. Uh, the second is an image maker where I would probably place, you know, Eddie Slimon, someone mm. like Ralph Lauren, you know, they, they have this clear like world that they want to inhabit. And although like, you know, the designs might not necessarily be like new or innovative, they work perfectly within the context that this image maker has created for them. And then the third, which is probably the most relevant to the market and the zeitgeist at the moment, is the brand architect, 
which is everybody right. from like Teddy Santis to Jerry Lorenzo. I mean, you know, to give him credit here, like someone like Kid Super, right? Who yeah. is more an expert in world building and community building and finding that sort of cult around them and making clothes to specifically speak to their community and grow it from a business sense, but also from, you know, a people being aware of it since i mean i think ronnie feig is one of the master brand architects there love him or hate him like you can't deny that he has a sincere grasp of you know this the ronnie feig of world Kith. yeah i yeah. think he's 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 definitely up there um i mean also what mike amiri has done right and it's like they're very commercially successful like critically might be divided but you know i'm not the one like sleeping in like a million dollar bank account like those guys so <laughs> right, wait yeah, no I, I think critically there's no division gene <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean i think that's that's a thing too where you know as because both of you i think are in- incredibly prolific writers and communicators about the medium of fashion uh you know from from complex stuff era, era gene of even like valet stuff like you you know, and obviously, you know, you're at Nordstrom and stuff now, and then Eugene with with what you've been doing. I think it's both of you guys have really shaped how I interpret the relationship I want to have with a designer. Because I would say, in many cases, I still am like, I I don't demand that much from my relationship with a designer or a brand that I patronize. I want the clothes, I'm air quoting, just because I want to look cool. And Sometimes I don't realize that the role of that designer, you know, is much is much different depending on who that other person is is interacting with, you know, because there's so many people that's like, yeah, I just want to buy. I'm making this up like I just want to buy Gucci because this other celebrity has it and I want to look cool and it's the the brand's vibes and it's cool and other stuff where. Yeah, when you look at how a designer has the ability to really um, cause people to think a lot more about what they're purchasing, how they're purchasing. Um, you know, so many other designers have tried to speak about other political and social movements and things like that, that have, that were occurring at the time of their collection. And I think that's something that, you know, which is why I'm glad that both of you guys are together, because I think, you know, your critiques come from, for me, the desire of the relationship you want to have with that designer. Like the Martine Rose is a perfect example in the sense that, you know, it, it it sounded like Eugene, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, that you you wanted more from it and your needs weren't met. Yeah, but if you're hearing this, it means you've hit the end of the Patreon preview. Podcasting ain't much, but it's honest work. To hear the rest of the Blamo special episodes, please consider signing up for the Patreon. For just a few dollars a month, your hard-earned cash can help our talking heads dress the rest of their bodies in mark down artisanal clothes. Thanks for listening.